Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's show, a quick reminder that this podcast is free for everyone and supported by those who can afford it. So uh, if you have found this podcast a useful companion during 2020, and you'd like to see it continue through 2021, I would invite you to go to plantyourself.com slash gift. If you are in a position where you have the means to support something that means something to you and hopefully uh, you think is doing good in the world. You can use PayPal or Patreon. You can make a one-time contribution or become an ongoing sustaining patron of the show. And if funds are too tight for you to show your appreciation in a monetary sense, you can still leave a review of the Plant Yourself podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. That also helps us a great deal. All right, on to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com. All right, this is a very special episode, partly because of my guest and the content, and partly because this is the first Friday edition of Plant Yourself Podcast. And the reason I'm doing a Friday edition, I'm, I'm moving to a two-a-week schedule to see how it goes, is kind of stupid, actually. It's I've got like nine interviews in the can, which means that when I do another interview and the person says, well, when is it going to air? I'm like, well, like two and a half months from now. And it's embarrassing to say that because these are you know, important, valuable people doing amazing work. And I don't want to like make it seem like I can put this stuff off indefinitely. They've just given me an hour of their time. And I'm like, yeah, sometime in the future, maybe 2016, maybe 2017. So I figure if I double the uh, number of podcasts I do, I'll get I can then say, well, you know, it'll be this month or early next month, and that will feel better. <laughs> anyway, today's episode features Josh Lajani. Josh is a dear friend of mine. He's my running mentor and coach. Um, I've got my first big race coming up in uh, a week and a day on uh, October 1st. And uh, Josh has helped me and guided me and trained me and encouraged me and warned me and, and all that sort of thing. He's also a business partner and we're running the big change program together, which um, I believe is changing people's lives. It's certainly changed Josh's and mine in terms of the way we interact and, and help people and guide people and inspire and um, contribute to the movement and to uh, you know happiness, joy, and peace on earth. And we're also working on a lot of other things together. Some of them are going slower than others. But um, I was on Facebook the other day and I noticed that Josh posted about a, a Twitter argument that was going on with him and Dr. Garth Davis, my uh, co-author for Proteinaholic, on the one side and the very, very famous podcaster Joe Rogan on the other. And Joe's a big deal. He's got uh, millions of followers and tens of thousands of tweets and a huge podcast audience, and he's a personality. And so there he was uh, mixing it up with, with Dr. Garth about this new study that had just come out saying that the sugar industry had been manipulating studies, funding anti-saturated fat studies. And so basically we couldn't trust anything we'd ever heard and therefore rest in peace China study. And Garth jumped in and the two of them were going back and forth a little bit. So Joe tweeted, there are certainly benefits to eating lots of plants. The question is, are there also benefits to eating animals? And here's how Josh responded. 
at Joe Rogan, at Dr. Garth Davis. Absolutely. It's called avoiding starvation. In excess of that, it's ignoring nature's brilliant protocol. And that phrase, nature's brilliant protocol, really caught my eye. It caught Joe Rogan's eye because he wrote back and says, what do you mean by that? And so that's what I wanted to talk with Josh on this podcast about this concept that simply by looking at nature with curiosity and humility, we can intuit, we can look inside ourselves, use common sense to figure out how we should eat and move and live for optimal health and happiness. Quick warning, Josh likes to use salty language. So if you're listening to this around the innocent, you may want to pop in your earbuds. Um, but aside from that, just hang on and enjoy the ride. So without further ado, Josh Lajani, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we you know we talk so much and we've done so much together. That, uh, this is the this is our first official Plant Yourself uh, extravaganza, and it it, yeah. it came about because of you sent me a couple of text messages showing that you and Dr. Garth Davis were were in a tweet conversation with Joe Rogan, right? Yeah, there. well, Doc, yeah, well, yeah, uh, Dr. Garth Davis was, and I just kind of chimed in. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, you, uh, he, and, and, and Joe responded to you. He had, a, he had like a curiosity. You, you, were, you were baiting him a little bit, right? Like he's not interested in the truth, and he came yeah. back. So the, right. the, the topic was, and this is something you and I have talked about a lot, that, like, you have a felt sense, a logical sense of, like, what we should eat. And, you know, you've done a lot of reading, and you're very well-versed in it. You have a, a certificate from the E. Cornell from the Nutrition Studies, you know, T. Colin Campbell um, Nutrition Studies Institute. And at the same time, in talking to you, you're like, you're not interested in relying on a lot of scientific studies that you sort of have a, like a, a very grounded, logical kind of, you know, back to nature approach. And that's what I wanted to talk about because, you know, you and I have, have discussed and shared with a lot of people who are constantly like doubting, like, Oh, here's a new study. Doesn't this say that, Maybe we were wrong. Maybe more animal fat is good for us. Maybe we shouldn't be eating so many carbohydrates. And you, you're you not interested in getting into the, the weeds of scientific inquiry. So, so no, may, not, yeah, may, yeah. Go, let's go, go ahead. What's your, what's your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so, no, not, not just so, not so specifically as everybody does and like want to be technically, well, you know, uh, this nutrient and this nutrient and this type of amino acid is only you, this is only bioavailable through fish instead of uh, other sources or like all of these different micro levels of molecules and like technically accurate statements probably I don't know of different scientific uh, chemical things that are that are technically true but just like what Dr. Campbell talks about um, is is it's so reductionist and, and so like, uh, so minuscule of a level that we're trying to talk about these things, like so specifically, like, uh, analyzing each individual musical note of a, you know, of some sort of classical, uh, piece or something, you know, um, instead of just enjoying the music of the, you know, nature, nature's, what seems logical that nature has set forth is like a pretty brilliant 
self-sustaining protocol with all the other organisms on the planet. Just those the human animals seem to kind of fuck stuff up for some reason, you know. And and so, you know, it, in noticing that and listening to that music in my life, I've like stepped back and said, you know what, you know. Of course, we started building fire and cooking shit and making things with rocks and using hammers and like started making tools and leveraging our surroundings to make uh, to get more and more production in different areas of our lives, whether it's food or shelter or war or whatever, whatever. Right. But the, the time in which we've been doing that. So however many tens of thousands of years, just say, you know, whatever, I don't know. No anthropologists and whatever. I'm gonna just throw a number twenty thousand years ago or whatever. Seems like a very long time to us, but it's just a popcorn fart in the wind compared to what the organism's been doing over the last few million years. And I think what the organism has been doing over the last few million years is way more important than the popcorn fart in the wind of when we've been, you know, figured out how to take uh, rocks and stick them through animals to eat them every now and then. Um, so the every now and then animal eating part, I think, might be something viable in the evolutionary or in the uh, like in the overall behavior of the, the organism. But I think we get into the weeds when we start like we get into like there's like a quantity problem with the um, with the naturalness of or naturally attainable quantities of like of other animals muscles and organs and tissues i think i think we're kind of missing the boat on how often that was probably happening before the um the the stones killing animals part you know i'm not arguing that we didn't figure out how to do these and find these nutritionally dense um sources of food to keep from dying and to or as or or as a semi-annual sort of a whether it's ritualistic or it's out of necessity because all the plants are frozen and dead or whatever, where we've developed this kind of rhythm. I'm not arguing that, but I'm, I'm thinking that we've extrapolated the stone out so far from just a pointy stone all the way out to this mechanism that creates things like CAFOs and, and deer feeders with, uh, with, 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 um, uh, um, you know, solar panels and automatic timers and box blinds with heaters so you can sit down and stay nice and cozy and watch porn and kill a freaking deer every now and then when it's when a big one, big enough one comes out. Like seriously, and drink beer and like hang out. You know, it's like a little little cubicle apartment that you sit in to go kill deer. I, I think we've I think we've gotten way far away from what the organisms meant as like a natural attainable quantity of meat with our uh, honing of the tool over, over this little popcorn fart in the wind portion of time. All right. So let's, well, let's, let's start with, you know, before, before we go to the margins, great. Cause like, like the, the real arguments in our culture are kind of at the margins, like, you know, and that, and that Uh seems to become like these little details become all we obsess about. And so I think what, what I enjoy from talking to you is you get back to these really, really basic, obvious truths. And because I'm simple though, Howie, that's why, because like that's out of necessity. Cause I can't, I don't have the capacity to jog on that level with some of the people who are so well versed in the micro details. So it's easier and more liberating for me to zoom away and take a more 30,000 foot logic based approach to how I do my day to day 
um, living. You know what I mean? That's yeah. Well, and, and, and it's 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 very useful. You know, so, so like like I think of you as sometimes as like you know the the boy in the emperor's new clothes. Like you, you, you know, it's not you know you're 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 very intelligent. You're very well read, but you haven't lost that kind of you know practical kunas sense of well, does this just make sense? Just, Camp just living teaches you that. Yeah, sometimes you got to use duct tape to make crazy shit, and it doesn't doesn't tell you how to. It's not in the in the in the directions on the pack of duct tape. You just figure shit out. And it could with what makes most logical sense, and that's how I roll. That's all. Okay, so let's let's start with the the basics. What from 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 what you have experienced and seen, and we can get into your backstory a little bit. You know, you're you're a star of two rich roll podcasts. So you're you know we didn't we didn't get into immediately your backstory because it's it's out there for people to to see and hear. Yes, but sir. we we'll we'll touch on you know the hunting and and all that and and you know your your early years not living according to nature's protocol, but like right. from, from where you are right now, what, what makes, what should, what do authentic human beings do, you know, based, based on who we, who we are and, and how we evolved and what's good for us. The way I imagine it, cause I come up, I came up in the country, right. And I came up in the woods and I came up hunting and fishing. So I think there's a certain, I think there's a certain drive to really sort of, understand what your environment can provide to you to make a living, i.e. eat, i.e. stay alive with, right? And so I grew up learning that we get on this four-wheeler and we go ride and we go notice where we see deer sign and you know that there's a, you know, there's a game trail right here. So we, we pay attention to these things in our environment and we figure out how to eat them um, to make a living, kind of, right? And so I think that I think there's an innate drive as a human being, like as the the animals we are, to take to taking a like taking accounting of of our physical environment, sort of cover the ground that we stand on, right? I think that requires some some bipedal locomotion instead of four wheelers and trucks and stuff like that. More natural line of doing it is going to be through covering territory with your feet. And I think that if we would remove, if we'd be willing to entertain removing the the tools portion of, of how we originally got food, that we would see how, you know, a lot of leafy greens and tubers and stuff would be those things that as we travel and cover and make an assessment of our new territory, wherever we happen to be, um, that we're going to cover ground and then we're going to find these foods that that not really a whole other or whole bunch of other organisms are participating in eating you know we're going to be eating these green leafies and tubers and stalky vegetables and like really good you know stuff um as a default most of the time and of course um you know think other things on the margins might exist inside of that but for as a default you know main existence that's that's what we're doing is we're covering new territory, assessing our ground, where we are, and then and then um, eating the things that are most uh, efficiently um, acquired with the least amount of risk. I think it's a huge energy risk to eat another animal with just your hands as tools. Um, and I think so. I think that's I think that's what drives I think that's what drives my logic to think that um, a lot more efficient. Uh, allocation of energy 
would be in the, the eating of plants and moving in a way that helps you discover new sources of those things. And in the same time, you're understanding the topography of your land. You under, you're starting to, and um, you're starting to understand your little patch of earth. And maybe that earth consists of some, some, um, you know, some shellfish on a shoreline or something. Maybe it doesn't consist of that at all. Maybe it, maybe it's maybe you don't have many tubers. Maybe it's a lot of fruits. Maybe it's a lot of coconuts instead. Maybe, so humans are able to do all of these these cool things that have a lot to do with being able to cover your ground that you live on, your immediate ground that you live on. And I think finding food that's the path of least resistance type foods is going to be very minimal animal and mostly plant, very a lot of plant. And I think if you can recognize it as something that's logic, which I, I, I think that's logical to me, then every time I make a food choice, I kind of, I kind of try to pass it through that litmus, litmus test of its natural attainability. Does that make sense or did I just ramble a whole lot? No, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. So, so that, that if you think of, if you put yourself in the position of that early human who didn't have the, the porn and beer sodden deer blind with a solar powered feeder, that you're thinking right. like, what if, if I were smart and I was just walking, you know, living in these in this environment, how, what would what would my best strategy be for meeting the nutrient needs of myself and my family? And it would be exactly. like, let's eat things that don't run away from us. Exactly. Let's eat things that don't try to bite us back. Right. And let's eat and things where right. And it doesn't really have anything to do with feeling sorry for those animals or those, for those things or being like, it doesn't have really a whole lot to do with that. To me, it has more to do with the, 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 the uh, logic of it. That's all. Yeah. And, you know, and not, and not, and not, and try to eat the foods that we can eat that are in abundance because there's not a lot, not a lot of competition for them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's that's in a nutshell how we even get we get off track inside the plant-based eating community. We we still don't really go there with our food choices a lot of times. So we eat a ton, bunch of nut butters and processed stuff and breads and pastas and all of these flour um, uh, induced food creations, right? And um, and. I think I think that's how people go. Oh well, he's plant based and he hadn't blah blah blah. And that well that that's true because there's you're still not really fully backing all the way out and taking a true assessment of um, of what the mo what the mo what the human being was probably most logically doing in the time of um, you know in nut cutting time when it's time to eat food. What are we doing? Guns guns against your temple. Get me a bite of food. What are we going to do with nothing in our hands, standing in, standing in the woods? What are we doing first? What's the first thing we're going to eat? Is it an animal? Probably not. Most of the time, it's going to be a nut that we found or, or some, some leaves that are growing or, or some tubers or, you know, um, in, you know in the ground. Um, and that's how you're going to survive and stay alive. And ironically, to, to adopt that, way of eating has really meant survival for me in my life and not just for me, but for a lot of people I know. And it's, and it's something I'm real passionate about. I, it's not about a, um, um, like, I don't know, being part of a team to me. It's about one team. It's like, 
human race, an authentic human race, if we can do our best to try and get there. And um, I think we get off in the weeds on, on discussing these micro details and technicalities sometimes, and we get away from the whole. Right. So uh, as you were speaking, I suddenly had a, a, a deliciously wicked desire to just piss off everybody. What's that? How- <laughs> you know, just just to, to have this conversation to kind of take on a lot of the, the holy cows. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. So... Could we could we talk about your relationship with hunting and fishing? Yeah, sure. Because you awesome. you grew up doing it, and I and I know you know it's it's not it's it's not usual, but it's not unheard of for someone to kind of change and say, well, you know, I've 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 grown up, I have a different way of looking at the world. I'm now you know plant based or vegan or vegetarian or or yeah. new age or hippie, and most of those people reject the culture that they came from. And you decidedly do not. No, not at all. I, I, no, this is my this is my home. You know, this is you know this is my territory. This is this is where I grew up. I sound like the people from here. Um, this is an important. This is an important piece of earth to me. This boot shaped piece of earth. You know, I love this state. I love my region. I love sounding the way I do. I love being a coon ass. And so I, un, I empathize with a lot of the things that I look as I look to, um, I empathize with people who are still in that place where those, where the, they can't have their identity without not doing some things that fly in the face of, of, um, avoiding the mistakes of our father's and grandfathers most recently, those re- last couple generations especially, in the, in the realm of heart disease and cancer and diabetes and obesity and those things. Um, it, like, we've all watched them do these things, live this way. we all done this. This isn't like a historical, like, this isn't, you know, been going on for generation after generation after generation of the, the, the uh, fat, sick, uh, ass. Um, but it, it has really gotten worse since, you know, since I've grown up. And, um, I know that we go to a lot of funerals here and I don't, and my point is, is it just so happens. We're also very food centric culture and not just food centric, but, 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 you know, rue and stew and hunting, um, uh, you know, meat like hunting i'm hunting uh animals and getting the meat as food for that but we don't just do that we mix it with bacon we grind we mix it with pork we make sausage out of it we make tamales out of it. we make cheese burritos out of the deer meat like so there's all of these crazy things that we do and in um trying to adhere to what we think makes us like the thing we want to be the most, a real, like a part of a culture that you love, of a state that you love. And it's like this weird, it's this weird dichotomy. I don't want to throw my hands up and say, well, they'll never change or anything like that. Nor do I want to be, hey, be the guy constantly telling, hey, don't doing that is wrong. Don't do that. Stop doing that. You know, I don't want to be that guy either. 
all I want to do is say there's a better way. We can still be coon-ass. We can still curse a lot, have you a beer every now and then, do a lot of the things we like to do. Hell, kill a deer once a year. But let's just change. Let's just change a lot of things around that. Um, and I think that there's a window of opportunity to be able to affect some real change in a place that nobody in a million years would have ever thought possible. And that that's why I would I'm I kind of do things the way I do as far as still identifying with my culture and loving my people. And I have a whole bunch of friends that are hunters, so I can't hate on hunters. I love hunters. Most of the people I know are hunters and I grew up hunting and fishing. So I know what it feels like to have my arms wet with blood all the way up to my elbows. And I know what it's like to skin a deer and remove organs and quarter it up and put it in the ice chest and grind the meat and make sausage and you know, I know how to do all of those things. I know what it's like. I know that connection. And it's not something that's akin to um, a mobster murdering people and dismembering them. It's not that at all. It, it's people doing what they think is akin to picking an apple from a tree. They're eating food from the environment. And um, my only argument with that is that I think we're un I think we're able to attain those foods at an unnaturally, uh, um, at an unnatural rate, an unnatural quantity. And, and, um, and so if I can just be a voice in, in helping people just understand some very simple, crude, basic things, instead of how many, you know, amino acids make up a specific type of protein, I, I would much rather people try to see coon-ass logic in my diet approach than to understand my scientific correctness. <laughs> Does that make sense? Right? That's important to me that people in Chag Bay know what the hell I'm talking about when I'm talking about why I only eat plants and move the way I do. Right. Now, so, you, I mean, I think, you know, ethical vegans would follow you almost to the end of your paragraph. But they, I know that. They get, I've been beat up a lot. They um, get stuck. You know, what's what's... Like you're, you know, you're, you're saying, you said like, it's okay to kill a deer once a year. So you, and, well, and you're, you know, you're, I know you, you're a very compassionate, humane, ethical person. You feel deeply for animals and, and yet, or, and you have, there, there's, you're applying a kind of a different logic than the algorithm of veganism, which is, it is never right to take another life. Right, and I and I get that. My point is, the to the person who is gonna kill a deer once a year, that person still thinks that food is that 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 animal meat is still a very necessary part of their diet. And if you're hung up on that point and you can't let it go, and you can't stop going to your camp and you can't do all of those things, then fine, go keep going. But let's just let's be real about the quantities. Let's not fill up two chest freezers in an upright with deer roast and deer sausage and deer burritos and then um, and pretend like we're surviving off of the land. That's not really what we're doing. We kind of go and, and we, we kind of we, we kind of uh, we kind of gorging a little bit. Right. So that that's my point is kill a deer if you're doing it because you think you need to eat it because we kill, we kill plants. I'm not making the broccoli versus a rabbit argument that I heard some other people make online. That's kind of a, kind of silly. Like even if broccoli does have feelings, 
it's our food source. Just like lions, I mean, gazelles have feelings, but, you know, a lion's still going to eat the shit out of it, even if it's whining and crying. And uh, and so it it doesn't matter because I've heard that argument that oh well there's science that proves it and that 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 uh plants communicate with the microbiology in the soil and they get, have communication and there's all kind of things going on in there and you know that's a, who's to say that's not you're kill, you're taking a life right there it's like absolutely you're correct I think we are but I think that that is the lives we are designed to consume in our lives and we're designed to be consumed by other things right and so. It doesn't really matter if the plant is going to shed a tear if I cut it because it's my food, but I need to respect it and own up to it. And I think that it's possible if you still believe that a deer is your food to own that, to kill that deer in a respectful way and almost be ritualistic in its in its harvest. And if you've ever been to a deer camp, you know it's not a bunch of drunk, crazed people being murdering innocent animals. It's a very solemn thing when they smear blood on the face of a kid who's killed his first deer. It's a it's a it's a respect. It's not it's not it's not a murderous rampage. My, so that's we we kind of I I can't. I can't beat people up for that. And another thing is I have a carnivore that lives in my house. I have a 160-pound carnivore called a Great Dane that lives in my house. And who am I to say that this dog is living, that the kibble I buy for him at the store is the best thing for health, for his health? Wouldn't it be better to feed him some, some, some game, some wild game, than to, you know, feed him broccoli stalks? I mean, and so... I wouldn't put it out the realm of possibilities that that Josh might squeeze a trigger on one one day to feed his dog or to feed, you know, his carnivore that depends on him for sustenance. That's or maybe catch a tuna and do the same thing and give the meat away or something. I I'm never gonna count myself out of that. But my point is, I'll never participate in the gross quantities. Although I wasn't as good of a shot as a lot of my friends, so it wasn't I was I wasn't killing as many doves as a lot of people were, but I'm not going to be collecting those animals in these gross quantities um, at all ever in my life, ever again. So the so the act of the hunting part has has moved away from me, but I get the drive for the hunting, and I think that that same drive for the hunting is what drives me for the running in my life, because I think running is hunting. That's the original hunting is running. And I don't mean stuff. I don't mean where you run a, a gazelle until he passes out from heat exhaustion. I mean, covering territory to find food for your clan that's back at the cave or where the fuck ever. And you have to find enough food spread out among these, all these square miles to keep your people alive. And that's hunting. And um, and I think that that's why I'm so uh, naturally driven to this to this hunting thing. I mean, to this running thing is because of my identification as as a person who um, grew up in nature and considered himself a hunter, a gatherer of nutrients, a gatherer of needs, and and, and a choir for his family, for his clan. You know, and I'm doing the same thing. In, in, in a completely different world, but the, it's the same drive behind it and the same passion behind it. And, and I know that uh, 
some other coon asses are doing it with me. And so it's pretty cool to see, see it happen even on a tiny, tiny level. But, uh, right. So yeah, you, to the same extent that you think that like the human, um, birthright is eating mostly these plants, especially the greens and the tubers that are, you know, available to us pretty much year round with, Mm -hmm. you know, and then whatever on the margins we need to survive. You also think that like our birthright is bipedal animals, you know, walking, jogging, running. And that's, and if we're not, if we're not doing that, we are not fully embracing our human potential and heritage. We're not fully embracing that natural uh, logical protocol to me, that natural, that balance of do this to find these kind of foods, eat these kind of foods, do this to find these kind of foods, eat these kind of foods, that, that bank, that, that constant, um, you know, that constant backbeat, like you talked about in your blog post yesterday, that constant backbeat of an, an invitation to do better. That's what this, that's what this thing is, is, it, it, that's an aspiration to me is to constantly be thinking about trying to eat that way and move that way and eat, eat, eat that way and move that way. Move, move as if I had to go and move in a way that's in balance with the things that I'm eating. And, um, and a lot of people don't do that either, you know, uh, even inside the plant-based world. Right. Right. Well, you, you use the example of like a squirrel, like the squirrel, like no other, no other creature except for humans and our pets has to think about it, right? Like no, right. So, so explain that. Like this idea of balancing movement with caloric intake. Yeah, I think it's something that would naturally just happen in the default. If you were an animal, if you were a rabbit shitting in the woods, you're gonna eat what rabbits eat. You're gonna move the way rabbits eat. I mean, move the way rabbits move, and you're gonna live a. a, a you know, I I guess they live fulfilling lives. We know, you know, it's up to them to do whatever they want to do. But they <laughs> they live rabbit lives, whatever the fuck a rabbit life is like. I don't know, but they do it, and they're able to live an entire life cycle and procreate and do the thing that rabbits do, um, without really getting any bottles of supplements from Amazon or going to Walgreens or uh, any doctor checkups. You know, and uh, and that that goes across the board for for for. For all animals, they just kind of happen. They just kind of happen, and and so I bet if we I bet if we tied a, a you know I bet if we tied a bald eagle or let me put a better I bet if we tied up a deer and fed a deer sausage biscuits from McDonald's every day I bet the deer would eat the shit out of them. He would love them. <laughs> he would eat them every day. And but we didn't let that deer have its deer food, and that deer is going to be sick as shit, and we're going to wonder. Or let's not even say, uh, let's not even say, because uh, uh, I've seen a deer eat a raw bird before on YouTube, right? Yeah. So let's just say, okay, let's just don't, let's remove the processed food component. Let's just say we feed, we saw a deer eat a bird. So now we'll feed the deer a bird once a day for the rest of its life. And I bet you, that, um, just a guess, this is just me using my Chag Bay logic again. I bet you that deer will get will be sick if you overfed it birds, if you overfed it dead birds, because that's not what it's, it's doing. It did something in that micro sliver of time that it felt like it needed for some sort of nutrient uptake or who knows, maybe the deer is just fucking crazy. I don't know. But the thing is, it, it, I've seen a deer do that, but that does not mean that that's what, uh, that's what their natural, uh, 
that's what their, their natural drive is to do. And so that's, that's kind of what I, you know, that's kind of, I know I kind of got off the weeds in an example there, but that's kind of the way I see it. I mean, you can, you know, it just makes good logical sense when we look at the way other, other uh, primates act, the way other animals with similar physical attributes and teeth and eyeballs and guts and fingernails and all that stuff. Um, I think you can draw good logical conclusions as to what this animal is meant to sustain itself on. And I think um, in epidemiologically that the, it's pretty, it's pretty clear too. Um, when you start getting down the the the, uh, the path of talking about what Dr. McDougall talks about and, and all, um, but anyway, yeah. So I think that we're meant to just just like the rabbits and the squirrels. There's a default rhythm that's set to happen without any of our uh, participation other than getting up and moving every day and 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 making our living, you know. And um, and I think it. I think I think. Uh, I think we distort our food intake in ways that other animals don't. And, and so, and I think it's a stretch to say, well, other animals don't drive cars or, okay, I, I, that's true. But see then where we see where we're going now, we're going into ridiculous, ridiculosity of specific details to try to make points that are really, you know, I don't, I don't know what they, I don't really know what they say. Right. Well, what's, what's, I mean, let's 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 follow that to to absurdity for a little bit, so that mm-hmm. so that people will people will argue when you say, look, humans are you know we're the only animals who blank like you know every every social scientist worth his salt has to come or her salt has to come up with a a completion to that sentence. But it, but in the plant based community, we'd say you know we 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 never wean. We're drinking the milk of another species or. We're living, you know, there's, there's so many ways in which humans are living unnatural lives. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and cars, you know, vehicles, especially like when you told me when you went hunting that there was a lot of fossil fuel involved. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So is that, that's, that's another way that the natural act of covering territory to gather calories for your clan gets distorted, not, not in absolute terms but just in terms of of ratios and quantities and effort right that's right that's right right so so why does that matter why why does it matter that you know where you you weren't like walking 12 miles to hunt but you were you were taking a ford explorer or or whatever out, out you know to the camp because I think you lose the I think you lose the connection with how precious of a resource that is to have if you have it at all. You lose connection with how how difficult that is to get as a food source. This 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 muscle of this animal or this organ of this animal. Um, and I think if you had to cover, I have a friend that does that. He doesn't eat meat from the grocery store at all. He goes. And he walks in his bare feet like a real coon ass and goes through the woods. And I envision him in mud banks like Rambo mashed up against the mud with a fucking Bowie knife waiting for an animal to pass. And he just jumps out and cuts it through his throat. That's, he's not sitting in a box blind somewhere with a high-powered rifle shooting. He's like in the woods shirtless killing stuff with his bare hands. That's a whole different connection. And he, and he, and he is someone who loves animals i've seen pictures of him actually catching piglets in the woods and petting them and stuff right 
but he's got this. So it's not like he's a monster. But what it is is he feels like that, that is food, and he, his 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 uh, evidence is his own existence, his body, his physical makeup, his his athletic capacity and ability. And nobody, you can't, I can't really argue with that. I can't really argue with his existence um, on a on a on a results basis. Um, all I can do is offer that even the even the hunting that he participates in is probably a little high on the uh, on the attainable quantity scale when it, as far as when it what nature would would um, would have have us doing right. Mm. But is it because anyway. he? It's it because he has less competition because none, none of the rest of us are doing that. No, I think I think it's more of like just the systems of the body balance. Like he's working. Like he went, he just went to, um, he just went out of state and logged several, like a few hundred miles over the weekend, just exploring territory and doing scouting and getting ready for the season, the upcoming season. Most people that go and do their 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 fall hunting aren't going, aren't spending that that type of. Uh, I don't know that type of energy with their own body to do it. And so, um, so I think that that's what I'm getting at is there's a balance and how much he's burning and how much he's using and, and, and the, the, what little bit he does, cause he's not crazy. Like, um, you know, only eat meat. He does eat lots of fiber and whole plant foods as well. And so I think that that existence, is is honestly without hurting a lot of people's feelings healthier than a lot of the vegan existences that I've seen. Does that make sense to you? Is that I'm that's gonna piss off some people probably, but I think that that's the truth. I really do. I think because he and I think that his meat quantity might be a little bit high, um, or a lot of bit high, um, based on the things that that I've read and heard when it comes to like PMAO production and actual consuming um even just little bits of um of uh animal proteins um i think that that uh you know there's still just a problem with with uh with the quantity even at his level but i but uh i feel like i'm stumbling over myself but the thing is is i i i that's I'm trying to answer the question about the balance. I think that there's a balance in his life because he's more connected. He's, he respects the animal. It's weird. He res, it, it's going to sound silly to say it, but he knows more about the animals that he kills and he harvests and puts um, in his body. Um, than than um, a lot of people who want to save those animals know about them. Um, and he, so he really appreciates them and, and, um, He's not murdering anything. He's he's really trying to be one with nature, and I think that he might just be off just a tad. But who am I to judge him? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not be friends with him or call him out or try to try to sway him to stop his devilish ways. But at the same time, I do think we should not be eating so much meat. Right. Um, and <clears throat> well, you know, that, and so yeah, it's it's like. You know, let's let's handle the factory farms first. Then then let's handle the so-called humane farms that really aren't. 
Then yep. when all that's solved, then we'll take a hard look at your friend. And, yep. you know, to the, like, let's, let's worry about that to the extent that, it, that he's contributing to the problem. That's exactly what I mean, Howard. That's exactly what I mean. He's not participating in, in the, in the, um, in the, you know, KFOs and in the, the, the insane poultry industry. He's not participating in dairy, in the dairy industry at all. Um, you know, and so that, that's exactly right. If we're going to do it at all, let's do it. Let's do it like that. And, and boy, you talk about, we'll solve a hell of a lot of problems. If we did that, if we took that tax and made, made going to the deer camp, more of an athletic adventure than, than, um, a gluttonous, uh, vacation. Right. So you talked a couple times about like this ultra rich plant-based or vegan eating, um, you know, yeah. where we're having, you know, you know, the nut butters and there's also, it's not just the, the quantities, it's the whole culture, right. Of, of, uh, right. of vegan hedonism. Now I've, I've been, yeah part of and privy to arguments where, you know, especially ethical vegans will, will get angry at people like Drs. Campbell and Esselstyn and McDougall for being so strict about health because say they're, they're turning people, they're making it too hard for ordinary people to turn vegan. And I've heard, you know, from the health perspective that, you know, the, uh, dismissing junk food vegans. So what's, when, when, again, not getting into the weeds, but just with your, you know, your simple Coon-ass look at the world. What 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 do you see when you see kind of you know this food positive vegan culture? I I, I think again that we we get we have gotten so used to having um, things in quantities that that aren't naturally sort of. Uh, available to us and things including like you know calories period like just so cal caloric density and for instance and in, in some of the ways so what we do is we get animal centric and we get and we get taste centric and we get so locked up into how delicious it is to do something as wonderful as go vegan um and and so so the focus gets shifted again from the focus kind of gets shifted in away from the animal that matters most, which is the animal whose skin you inhabit. And so what we do is we put that animal's health and well-being, um, we turn a blind eye to what we do to that animal's health and well-being in the name of all other sentient beings on planet Earth. And, um, and I think that if there's, that's what making it easy to be vegan does, right? Um, and I think what Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. McDougall and those people, what the the I think the the um, the thing that they provi provide is a real fact based um, um, protocol, providing that real fast fact based protocol that that are that's going to be really aspirational to most including myself i mean don't i'm not going to sit here and tell you i haven't had anything with oil in it since i read uh you know prevent and reverse heart disease but what i am saying is that i am extremely cognizant 
of all of those things that damage the endothelial because of this knowledge. And I know that the endothelial layer, the endothelium is the culprit for the heart disease that ravages my people and my family. So knowing and seeing those, those, uh, you know, seeing those results in like the Ethelstyn study and seeing those types of things are great, are, are, are great pieces or, of evidence in my mind um, to help me avoid a similar fate, uh, a similar fate of several, you know, a uh, couple of generations, but across several family, different family connections, right? Familial connections. Uh, we have tons of people who have died of heart disease and people that are very, very close to me and took me a long time to get over. And when I, when I really became aware of um, what uh, what Esselstyn and 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 um, Campbell and McDougal and and uh, Garth Davis, what they are all talking about. Um, when I became aware of that and its undeniable connection with cardiovascular disease, it became a no-brainer to me to adopt this as as a protocol, and it. Not 100%, but aspirationally, at least, right? And, and look, when I say not 100%, I, the, what's left over is, is really immaterial. It's, 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 it's very, very, very small. I wouldn't call it moderation even. I would call it immaterial, um, the things that go outside of that in my life as far as food goes. But that's because those things make sense to me, like mushed up potatoes with kale is something that I feel like is a very nat- is natural human feed. You know what I mean? It's natural human seed. So it makes sense that those things would be very healthy for me. It makes sense to me that doctors Esselstyn and McDougal and, and, um, and, uh, oh shit, Ornish, Ornish's results showed what they showed because it, the, the food that they're talking about makes sense to me to be what nature's natural default is for this particular organism. And the fact that if that makes sense, that that's the natural default uh, food source for the organism, and people who participate in that have these results physically and medically, then oh, okay, I don't, I don't really need to know a whole lot more. I don't really need to know how much beta carotene I need in every single fucking bite of food. I don't need to know all of these details. It's so much to be able to have a pissing war on Twitter or or whatever. Um, it just it just makes good sense to me, and what the like what I was getting to was what the 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 uh, the service that those doctors provide is just they're presenters of these facts in a very black and white way, um, and you do what you want with those. But what I've discovered over my couple of years in trying to get fitter and healthier is that in the balance, it almost always comes back to. Eat more fruits and vegetables in your diet. And even even um, even Joe Rogan said that in, in his response to me. Um, but you know, uh, and his and yeah, there, his he, his quest his what he said was yeah, it's it's you know basically fruits and vegetables. More everybody nobody will argue that uh, uh, more fruits and vegetables are always good in a diet. But um, the question is 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 meat healthy too or something to that or can or does meat have a purpose too and i think and um i think it does but just on such a tiny tiny 
level that it's almost immaterial to the overall um, human, natural human um, diet. And and the fact that Dr. Esselstyn and them preached this, or, or I hate the word preach, but you know what I mean, just sort of expose this information um, and our our doctors so very interested in uh, compliance by nature. Um, I think they, I think they serve, a, I don't care if it makes it harder to go vegan. I think if, I think if the people, people start understanding the health of it first um, in a place like where I'm from, where heart disease is so, so huge of a killer, um, if they, then they can do a thing like eat a vegan diet that they would have never gotten to. They have never got. They would have never gotten to that place with you, um, you know, throwing throwing red paint on their on their stuffed deer mount on the wall, or or you know, screaming at him with a megaphone as he loads his deer in his truck that he's a murderer. I think you can. I think that. There's more value in what the what the plant-based doctors are providing to the human race than than what the um, you know uh, uh, super enhanced uh, vegan um, um, processed food industry is providing to to people going plant-based. The, yeah. Maybe maybe you might disagree with that. Maybe having these great cookies and pies and all is getting people to eat less animals. But I think when you eat that way and get, get off the animals and say, well, you should go plant-based. Well, and they look at you and go, well, why? why? Yeah, well, you know, I, I look at that the same way I look at pharmaceutical drugs. Like, I don't hate all pharmaceutical drugs. I think most of them are misused. <laughs> And yeah. I think all of them have their place. So I think there is definitely a place for like vegan junk food, for the fake meats. Mm -hmm. um, you know, th there's there's some interesting like work on cognitive dissonance. I talked about this in a uh, a podcast I did with Marta Zaraska, who wrote Meat Hooked, about the idea that once right. once people go vegetarian or vegan, then all of a sudden a lot of their um, their cognitive dissonance around eating animals go like like it's a it's a way in. So I think those foods have their usefulness. Um, what 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 I'm what I'm interested in is like what you hooked me on when we started talking, and then we met, and then I got all inspired to start running and you know becoming a beast or or discovering my inner beast as as I think of it. Right. That that all of a sudden. I was chasing something much bigger and much more pleasurable than pleasure. And I think that's, that's kind of where I, I take issue with the vegan community that's all about this food porn and look at this, 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 this another cashew-based cheese sauce that I'm going to throw all over everything, that the assumption is there that human beings are basically pleasure-seeking animals and we can never transcend that. So if you want people to go vegan, if you want to save the planet, if you want to save the animals, we have to appeal to hedonism. And what you told me, not through words, but through, through living it, is that there's something so much bigger that when you become an authentic human being, there's something so much grander than just stuffing my face with food that, that, that makes me happy for three minutes. And I, and I think that's... 
like it's it's not vegan versus non-vegan. I think the real question is: Are we trying to become authentic human beings, or are we trying to stay trapped? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. it it's 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 almost un. It, it's hard to put into words, which is why I talk so goddamn much, I guess, because I can't really ever <laughs> seem to hit the nail on the head, you know. But it is exactly that. It's it's hard. It it's hard to explain how much my every waking moment and it sounds like hyperbole and it sounds like bullshit but it's hard to explain how my every waking moment i feel so amazing about life and my relationships with other humans and my place in the universe and on this earth and my relationship with the plants and and nutrients that make up my body and and my relationship with my my topography of the land that I live around because I cover it in mileage with my own two feet. Like all of these things just make me so happy. It can't, it like the, the, the immediate ejaculation I used to get from a good hot bowl of, of, of a crawfish stew with a big plop of potato salad right in the top or, or turtle sauce to call with a big plop of potato salad right in the top with some fried oysters on the side or something like that. You know, it's, it's, it's like that morsel of of food ejaculation cannot touch the daily um, happiness that I and love. Like it's this weird. It sounds so bullshitty and, and emasculating, but it's just the truth, man. I feel like I know you. Like I'm happy. I'm you're becoming a very good friend of mine. Like Rich Roll. Like. Um, Garth Davis, you know, I mean, um, Tim, you name it, people that you don't even know that I talked to at Coburn's today while I was buying parts for a shit pump, right? Like all of these connections are richer and, and, and my existence is richer. I feel happier and there's no like, there's no micromanaging of my nutrient intake through, you know, better make sure I got X of this and X of that. And I have five bottles of pills that are supposed to help me turn all of the specific, specific knobs or create the equalizer to just the right place to have a good, healthy human. No, rather than do it like that, I'm just existing in the most general way that I think the organism is kind of meant to exist. And yeah, I drive a car every now and then. I know that I, or I drive a car every day. I do. I, I use an iPhone. I do lots of things. Um, that are unnatural, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to not, you know, devolve the conversation into the ridiculous and silly here. I'm trying to say that it's an aspiration to try to, um, for me to try to be that authentic human in diet and in movement in menu and in movement and in mindset. And those things combined together, smashed into this big human snowball is, is, um, if you can live that and be that thing, I think there's more fulfillment than you can ever imagine. And that's, that's what I'm feeling in my life right now. Now, one could argue that I feel so fucking good because I used to weigh so much. And it was, it would of course, it was hard to be happy when you're so fat and disgusting and overweight and mashed to the earth. So, of course, you feel good at 190 pounds and you run around and, you know, people are paying attention to you and, and asking you to talk to them and interviewing you or whatever the case is, you know. Of, of course, you're happy. It has nothing to do with all of those other things. Well, 
I, I can't prove it to you. I can't. I, there's nothing I can whip out of my briefcase and go, here, look at that. See, told you. So it all, it all essentially um, comes, comes back to faith. And I think, I think it depends on who's got faith and whose faith is strongest in the most logical uh, um, thing. Yeah. That's all. Well, it's also, you know, a kind of a really interesting metaphysical question. Like I know your story to, to, to some extent, and it was, it was the 420 pound guy who started running. Yeah. Right. It, it wasn't like, well, you got really thin and then you're happy. So then you took up running and eating plants. You know, it was the 310 pound guy who started eating plants. That's right. You yeah. know, it's, it's yeah. you know, you you started acting like a natural human and you became happier before you got the external results that everyone's so excited about. Right. And it was and it was like pixels slowly falling into place over time. It didn't just it wasn't just a thing, you know, but I but I feel like I have identified some truths and in, in my and and I don't think that they're very I don't think that they're very uh, outlandish um, in, in my assertion of them. And that's, you know, th- that humans eat mostly plants, if not all plants, and humans move around with their feet, legs, arms swinging about in a bipedal fashion. And, and um, if we exist doing both of those things um, in tandem with purpose, um, it's going to be, you could be hard pressed to find uh, a, um, a sick human that yeah. if you can do that. And I, I think that of course there are, there are things that exist in the margins and cancers that are going to happen no matter what, and weird birth defects that are going to happen no matter what. But I think in the gen, in, in the, in the balance, if we can act and exist that way, um, we can be extraordinarily happy and fulfilled with our very simple lives. I have a very simple life and I am, I am extremely happy human being, my friend. Right. And I wasn't before. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm hearing right now that never in all our conversations never really struck me as it just did in that if we are moving vigorously as in bipedal locomotion, walking, running, jogging, whatever, at whatever level we can do it in a sustained way. And we're eating plants like that's kind of, the recipe for, for human happiness, you know, give or take, give or take, you know, other things, but without those, without those, like we have to create an entire civilization and culture and 500 TV channels and, and all these distractions to try to compensate for the fact that we're not doing those two really simple things. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like that's the bottom line, isn't it? Yes, sir. To me. Yes, sir. (laughs) <laughs> I know I know I do good when you call me sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as you know, as as you, as you know, we we have hundreds of hours worth of of things to talk about. Um but I just, I kind of I kind of wanted to get to to draw a boundary on this topic just to get our get our yeah. thinking down and to give you a um you know a, a, a chance to answer Joe Rogan's question about what, you know, what exactly do you mean by, by nature's protocol? Um, and I know that's not, I know that that's not the answer to that. I know that's not the answer that he means. That's not the answer he's looking for. I don't think um, he wants something more specific and, 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 you know, 
I, 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 that's not, that's not the type of answer I have. I have, that's, that's it. That's my answer. That's what I think we should be doing. And I'm trying to live that way and poke holes in how, poke holes in what it's manifesting in my life. Go ahead and do that. That's fine too. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you're, what you're doing is you're essentially giving the plant-based world the same argument that paleo likes to use, but paleo is sort of a fantasy. I, right. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Like, look, look, at, look at the guys who do, who right. do CrossFit. Like, they're, they're right. into, like, this, you know, benign masochism. Like, they understand that life is richer when you're challenging yourself and you're, and you're putting yourself through, through pain. They, and, and they're like, you know, I want to eat like a natural human. I want to live like a natural human. And we're just arguing about, great, what, what does that really look like Our, when, when we're being a natural human and not just giving in to our to our indulgent desires and then justifying them later right yeah i think it's an i think it's an innate desire to want to be that authentic human i think that's what all you know disequilibrium comes from all unhappiness comes from just not really being able to um identify with and let out the essence of who you really are as a human being and I don't think that that is always being a, a, a big, strong, meaty, uh, forceful guy. Sometimes it is in the margins. Those people naturally exist, you know. But I think in the, I think in the balance, it's, it's, it's more about being a, um, um, you know, and for a, 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 a long, lean, fit mover, territory coverer, right? And, um, and, so that's that's how I try to that's how I try to live, and I've found a whole lot of happiness in that tag. Yeah, well, you know, one one way I think about it is that every successful organism contributes positively to its environment, mm -hmm. and so you know, humans are like the big exception. Like we're you know we're destroying everything left and right, right? You know, but the you know the bird shits on the ground and contributes to the fertility of the soil. So the tree drops leaves and the worms can live and the bird can eat like, and, and so, you know, as, as a, as an authentic human being, that's one of the things we, we all have to do as organisms is like, how do we contribute to our communities to make them better, richer places? We don't do it by requiring um, hundreds of thousands of dollars per year of medical care because we chose not to, live a human lifestyle that's right there should be a symbiosis right that's that's what you're saying with nature like all other things in nature have a symbiosis with the things around them in their environment like and that's not what that's not what we do we have cauterized ourselves from our environment with like disease and pleasure and 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 so when we do participate in a symbiosis when we do participate in consuming from consuming from the territory that we live or like the territory that we live and cover ground on do these two things that I think are really essential and normal and, and required by the healthy human, then there is a symbiosis that happens between those foods and the gut inside of your, inside of your, uh, your body cavity and how you, how you assimilate nutrients to all of the nutrients to repair all of the tissues that it took you that you had to spend to find these nutrients, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and so like, there's a big, beautiful, um, 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 reciprocity that happens. I think like a, a cycle that happens 
where you're just part of of your surroundings. And I think that that's what we're trying to do when we do things like get back into nature and go hunting and spend weeks and days and weeks and sometimes months out doing these things that, that we have this natural drive to do. But I think sometimes they're misguided and, and enabled to be incorrect with, um, with, uh, you know, the promise of, of pleasure and, and gluttony, you know? Yeah, well, and then you know we can say, well, if it weren't true, we wouldn't be here. That's exactly my point. That's what we've been doing up until we found that first rock and killed that first thing or whatever, or built that first fire to cook that first piece of flesh or organ meat or whatever. Um, that's you know that like I said, that's a popcorn fart in the wind amount of time. The bulk, the mass, the bulk of our evolution as an organism has been doing exactly what you and I are talking about. And the proof that it works is the fact that we're still goddamn here and we're still dominant. We're still dominant. We have figured out how to weaken ourselves, um, on, you know, on an, uh, you know, an epidemic level, um, through the untapped or through the un, uh, unrestricted, accessibility to pleasure but um but we're still here and these brilliant organisms that are kind of going off in the weeds and having like a little computer glitch right now over several generations which is just again a popcorn fart in the wind when we talk about the whole of evolution in this organism right so we, we are experiencing i think um uh, some change that's happening and um i see it happening and we're still long ways from it really being accepted and but just the fact that people like you know people you know are willing to have this discussion and talk about something that seems completely counterintuitive to them as a coon ass a louisiana and a person with a boat i still have a boat and fishing poles and all that stuff i just you know um so so it's just um i don't know you know it's it's just it's a scary thing to accept and look at in its eye, but I think that it's totally doable and we can adjust, make a little course correction and be, um, and forever change. Like the, I know it sounds so crazy, but like the world, we can change the world. It's, it's a beautiful thing with something very, very simple, man. Very, very simple. Well, it's probably, it's probably the only way anyone's ever changed the world. Right. If, yeah, if, so. if complicated stuff worked, we'd be we'd be doing great by now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to let you go. But for people, for 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 the small percentage of folks who are not following you yet, how can people uh, stay in touch with you and, and see what you're up to? Oh, sure. Just go my website. Uh, I have a website, joshlajani.com. I started that after that first rich role in a podcast interview. He was like, dude, you don't have a website. What are you doing? So, yeah. so I did. So I did that. And, um, and so you can connect with me across all social media, um, from that, from that website. And if you don't mind a few F bombs, you can read a few race reports and, uh, in there as well and learn a little bit more about me and, and, um, some of the ups and downs of, of my relationship with running, which I think is part of the reason we do it. Um, and, um, and you can find, like I said, you can find connections to all to Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all from, uh, from my, uh, 
from my website. So you can get a hold of me that way. And, um, and I'm pretty easy to find because I have a pretty unique last name. <laughs> yeah, why don't you spell it for, for folks? Yeah, sure. It's L-A-J-A-U-N-I-E, Josh, Josh Lajani at uh, joshlajani.com is the is the uh the website and you can that's my twitter handle all one word josh lajani instagram same thing and then i'm josh lajani on facebook and i have a page too so hit me up man and uh be curious let's talk about it awesome josh thanks thanks so much uh for for taking the time and for for all your advocacy and inspiration and and thank you from me personally for uh for, for helping me get on this this amazing track of uh, you know adding running to the plants I've never felt better it, well that's awesome to hear I'm, I'm honored to have to, to to have been a part of that experience that's beautiful buddy thank you alright take care peace man bye 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 I hope you enjoyed this episode of the plant yourself podcast this Friday edition and I hope you'll check out the show notes at plantyourself.com slash 174, which has links to everything we talked about, as well as Josh's interviews on Rich Roll and a couple of articles about crazy, ridiculous articles about how eating full fat cheese is really good for us. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 173 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And if you get the podcast, but not the weekly email newsletter, you can sign up for that as well. Thanks to Plant Yourself podcast patrons Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Elizabeth Clifton, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Vilkanovsky. Ah, oh, I should have taken a breath before Jen. David Bizek, the mysterious Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Holt, and Josina, without the last name, for your generous support of the podcast. If you would like to support support, support the show, <laughs> you can pay for my speech therapy. Um, you can share this and other episodes on social media and via email. You can write a review on iTunes. And you can become a patron by pledging a one-time amount or an ongoing gift to the podcast over at plantyourself.com. Come on, everybody, support the show. In Garden News, had a fun day yesterday pulling out all the old tomato plants and preparing the beds for fall greens. Next to come out are the okra and the broom corn. Um, I think we're going to actually make brooms out of the broom corn. So it's kind of fun to see. It's like... Uh, when you're when you're working on one of those uh, iPad sketch programs and you realize you've kind of messed it up and you can just push a button and reset and erase everything, that's kind of how it feels in the garden. We've just done a reset, and so now we're ready to uh, to start painting again with nature's brilliant and abundant and delicious brushes and flavors. All right, that's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. 
Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kinoski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X. Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes of Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby. Hi, Janet. Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gil Lassert, David Donahue, Blair Cyborg, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carl- Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmad, Nolly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Dean Norton, Bonnie Lynch at Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazleton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divich, Ashra Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Lehman, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Karts, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganshik, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sawyer Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, and Sarah Johnson for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends.